Welcome to Musitations, Sound Healing and Sound Wisdom for a World in Need. On Musitations, we explore all things musical, meditative, and creative for healing, transformation, and awakening the relationship between nature, culture, and the soul. I'm Michael Branty Maria, and I'm your host and guide on this journey on the edge of a new millennium. I bring my 30 plus years of experience as an integrative wellness guide, best selling author, meditation, yoga, mindfulness teacher, and a four time Grammy nominated musician. Join me now on this adventure of awakening the soul. Welcome back to Musitations. I am so thrilled to have Susan Harper with us today. Susan and I have recently connected on the earth plane, but meeting her and getting a chance to work with her recently, I feel like I've felt uh, connected to a very dear old friend and total soul sister. So I'm going to tell you a little briefly about Susan. She's a continuum teacher, a heart-soul counselor, a creative instigator. I love that, creative instigator, an inspired teacher of perceptual and movement inquiry, and really uses sound, breath, and movement to transmit a primal and spiritual fluidity that inspires participation, resulting in embodied, innovative discoveries. And I also love that her students refer to her as a moving storyteller, a dream weaver, one who opens portals into the vast space of creativity, which is available in all human beings. I really was drawn to Susan because of her work with Emily Conrad. For those who don't know, Emily was an extraordinary pioneer in movement, breath, sound, in a deeply organic way. And I'm going to let Susan share more about that. Reading Emily's book, Life on Land, led me to Susan, and I just couldn't be more thrilled to have you as part of Musitations today. So without further ado, welcome, Susan, to Musitations. Thank you so much for having me. So great to have you here. So there's so many places we could go, but I really, your website is called Continuum Montage, which people can find at continuummontage.com. Tell me a bit about why montage and how that connects for you with Continuum. Hmm. Yes, so montage is uh, like a collage and in 1977 with Michael Stearns, he and I formed a record company. And at that time, Michael was using a lot of world music, new synthesizer that was just getting invented, the Serge synthesizer, sounding um, indigenous instruments. And he felt like what he was doing was creating a montage. in all the different ways of making music. And then later, as I was exploring both movement and sound and breath, and also exploring dream work, perceiving work, um, wilderness awareness practices, to me it felt like my work was broadening into a, a larger spectrum of what it means to be human being in a creative process. 
And so the montage refers to a multifaceted approach to creativity, to being alive, and um, yeah, so continual montage came in that way, uh, became a, an event and seminar name mm. for the whole overall work. That's beautiful. You know, I, I really resonated, particularly just exploring your website. I found myself it was such a wonderful mirror because, you know, my life often feels like a montage or kind of this branching in all these different directions. And it was nice and comforting to see that um, all of these different streams or rivers that you travel and have traveled and explore and I could just, I could just feel that there is this sense of joy. And I'm just, just reading from some of the places on your website, from, you know, body of perception, body of relating, movement inquiry, wilderness depths, heart of belonging, living dreams, mystery depths. You know, I love that there is this way in which you've allowed yourself to follow your curiosity, follow your interest. And I've always liked to say, you know, the soul is an old growth forest, should be like an old growth forest. It's diverse and, and uh, polyrhythmic. And, and I love that you brought up Michael because I, his planetary unfolding, I think that was the name of that, that piece that I was inspired by uh, Continuum and by your early work. I understand with Emily, Am I, is that correct? Yes, Michael was the live musician, one of many at, at an early stage of Continuum's development and in the 75 76 to 78 or 9 maybe then Michael became more the primary musician for the live classes and there was one day that Emily was speaking about this sensibility of listening opening our listening as movers and as in our capacity for attention to listen to the planetary unfolding that mm. this process of planetary cosmic phenomena is an unfolding process not a finished process mm -hmm. and uh, there was a very inspiring way that she was speaking about that and inviting all of us to listen into it and Michael took that in and then he came up in the moment with a extraordinary piece of music and then that got put out uh, on an album called planetary unfolding and all of us dancing that day, there was a sense of, of the music helping each one of us mm -hmm. ride into a larger flow of expression, but also the sense that we were all riding this planetary unfolding creative moment together, alone and together, in an improvised process. Mm -hmm. mm, it's so, so moving to me to hear the backstory because I, when I first heard that and having been a fan of, you know, I mean, before there was such a thing as new age music or even ambient music, it was just beginning, but that piece in particular, but a lot of Michael's work had this organic energy to it, which is what you're exactly talking about. And, and I found this in particular in reading Emily's book, again, life on land, which just that, when I saw that title, I just, it's like, I had these chill bumps, you know, and and having worked with indigenous people, as I know you have, in fact, I know you even had early years in, in Africa being shaped by your, uh, I think as it says, uh, the land, the dancing and drumming of the Shona people in Zimbabwe um, shaped your heart and bones. And, and I had that resonant in my 
my body. I, you know, I, I grew up as a dancer and, and musician and I, I remember this sense of, um, real connection to how all life began in the oceans. And when so many of these indigenous people who didn't have the scientific evidence that all life land in the ocean, they still intuited it. They understood that all life began in the oceans as this kind of great mother of, of movement. And I, and I know just in terms of opportunity to work with you, this relationship also between form and formless and that the water is this amazing formless place. But I, it's almost like if we could think of total formlessness as the air, the water is this subtle form you know, kind of this bridge between the form and formless. And I find, and I've, I haven't talked about this a lot on musitations, but my native, my, or I should say my medicine name, my soul name is ever flowing on. And a lot of my soul tribe calls me ever. And so the, the element of water informs so much of what I do. So I was immediately drawn to continuum. And I love that she, you know, uh, the image of the octopus as this amazing being who, who lives in this place in between form and formless. So um, I would love to just know in, in your own way, um, this relationship between form and formless and how that informs this organic unfolding that we are that's always ongoing and as you said unfinished i think this is such an important skill for all of us or maybe it's not a skill a, a remembering a, a, a dissolving into I, I love when you talk about dissolving into our primal wisdom so so any of that whatever hits from any of that that you might want to respond to mm -hmm. thank you so water so easy, um, not by anything you're saying, but in common, um, common culture, to think of water in a commodity way, mm. as an object mm. that we use, that we that we use for all kinds of purposes, and yet water is a intelligent, flowing force, and all the fluid dynamics that are invisible present themselves through the medium of water and through the medium of air. And water, if you observe water in its flowing process, in its freezing, melting, in its evaporating, it's a constant state changer. It's constantly shifting. And so we could say, if we really pay attention to the movement of water, that it's constantly forming and dissolving. And so we could question, does form actually exist? Mm. Uh, that there's a verb there. There's a forming mm. ongoingly. If we take up like a, an old stone that's 400 million years old, we could see it as solid. That's the way we experience it through our senses. But if we take a view and we stretch way, way, way back in time, we see that that is also a forming and a dissolving. And it's living in whatever 
form it's in for some period of time, but it's a process, not a, not a fixed static anything. And water in the fluid dynamics is shaping our physicality. So in utero, we are basically an ongoing spiraling process of folding, unfolding, dissolving, forming again. And in tuning to water, as you named, that all life began, began in water, in the primal movement of pulsation and in the primal movement of waving and in the primal movement of um, arcing, curling, spiraling, pouring, evaporating, becoming gaseous, falling again. And those are the primary processes inside of us. The latest information about water is that if you take all the various material parts of us away. We are actually 99% water molecules. Mm. So in one way we could say we're 70% water. That is relative space and materials. If you take all the material away, we're 99% water molecules. And that means that we are a fluid process ongoingly. So there's a lot of beautiful new information about hydration and they're making a statement about a fourth stage of water called gelled water or sometimes it's called oh I can't remember the other name of it Uh, but it's just so beautiful to, to, to say what happens when we identify we we loosen our identification from a personality social perspective for at least brief moments come into the water fluid dynamics that we are and then as soon as we touch that we're enlivening we are enlivening a system whose essential nature is wholeness Mm -hmm. fluidity flexibility Um, yes Mm, thank you I just so moved by that sharing that and remind you know that actually form itself may be a bit of an illusion. It's it's always a verb. It reminds me, you know, my my Blackfoot teacher used to say, you know, Michael, I can speak Blackfoot almost all day long without uttering one noun. You know that these in so many indigenous languages are very very verb based. Um, I think they call it polysynthetic. You know, it's very based upon these. Uh, syllables or, or phonemes and that they they have the they're very fluid in their expression and and so it reminds me of like what you're saying is that this you know our English tends to to reify or noun everything you know turn things into to now that form itself it's a beautiful image of form itself um, that that water is such a wonderful expression of that I think I read somewhere you actually worked with Maladoma, who I've worked with as well, and you know he would say so much that water was the uh, the African teacher Maladoma Patrice Somme, a a go between the spirit and matter. You know it is literally a, a portal between the worlds as well, and that yes, that it's alive. And my last album Ama, which means water in Cherokee also mother or grandmother in 
dozens of languages around the world and love in Latin and Spanish and Italian, which I find that's fascinating. Water, mother, grandmother, love. And that, that there's a way in which um, a deep resonance, I know that's another term I love in continuum use so often is this resonant capacity and and how resonant water is, then that water is alive. Like I, in my shower, I talk to the water. You know, I talk to Amma. So I'm often, you know, I do a little prayer to Amma while I'm in the shower, while I'm washing my hands. And and it's so comforting to think of water as a spirit, as a living, intelligent. And this, and I mean that in, in, in a very, as I know you do. I, I don't say that just metaphorically, that there there is something so deeply mysterious. In fact, my father, who was a PhD chemical engineer, even as a young boy, he would say, we don't know what water is, even us scientists. We, and he would list all the mysteries of it, you know, its surface tension and the way it interacts and, and how it in solid form floats in liquid, which no other, you know, liquid does. And so, so I'm, I'm always kind of in awe of water. But when I saw that continuum brought this together in such a deep profound way I'm really moved and 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 it's been such an education and this idea of yes the gel state this fourth state of matter or it's fourth state of water which is just fascinating and i know and for those who don't know emily's work she, she even went you know her work with spinal cord injury to me is fascinating which we could take us probably down a, a rabbit hole but before going there or if we don't go there i would love to hear this connection between movement, breath, and sound. You know, I've done a lot of movement practices with people, a lot of sound practices, a lot of breath practices, but I love how continuum brings them together. And if there's anything you'd like to say about that, and and I do, doing the three-day dives with you, um, wow, it was so moving to have a chance to be given the freedom and support and container to allow those three things to, to, to live together. Mm -hmm. Yes. There's so many things that you just now have said. My, uh, my creative mind is moving all over the place. I'm going to answer that question, and I, I want to say one piece back to water just for a moment. Mm -hmm. And it's about liquid presence. Mm -hmm. It's like, why go to the water? Because of the presence and resonance capacity. Mm -hmm. And that water is such a resonant state. And you know those moments where we're feeling like a, great affect of love arising we become fluid mm. we don't tighten then it's like if our love isn't isn't mutually accepted we tightened but in the moment where we're feeling great affection and openness in a loving moment we have a fluid expression in our physicality and in our emotionality and literally in the in the diaphragms in our body there's an opening and a spreading and a in a pulsation. So the liquid presence uh, in water and in humanity, in, um, in our connection there, 
it's just one of those places where we can really more directly experience that. Mm-hmm. And Mary Oliver, I often make this quote because I love it so much in one of her poems. She says, water says, take a drink. Water says, take a drink. Now you, like me, are a million years old. But if someone asks me how old I am, I'm not quick to say I'm a million years old because I'm not identified with what I actually am, an unfolding process. So in the cultural world, we're identified with our social personality spectrum and part of continuum the beauty of it is to help us touch something that's so below the cultural social personality driven identity and there we come to breathing and moving and sounding these are ways to come to a sensation based sensual experience of being alive that's very immediate that each breath is right now. It's not yesterday, it's not tomorrow, it's right now. And there are practices from millennia about coming to breath for presence and for resonance in that every time we are breathing, we are really being breathed. We can say my breath, but really it's a planetary breathing body that's breathing each of us. We're in a primal exchange with all of the green living processes. And so as I play with breath and I connect with that potency of exchange, that I am one of the many places that breath dwells for a period of time. This air is landing inside my body, bringing nourishment and news of the universe, something that's no longer needed, but also my heart consciousness is pouring back out through the out-breath into an exchange. And in that place of tending uh, an aware sense of breath, how breath touches me inside, how breath caresses the inner soft tissues of the lungs and the throat and the trachea and the diaphragms, how all of those are moving is an inner movement that's already occurring inside of me. Whether I make a muscular movement or not, movement is occurring. And so to touch that, feel that, and to see, okay, I might have some psychological processes that tighten my diaphragms in a particular way. But if I play with breathing, if I explore breathing, if I inquire in breathing, I can help loosen some of those patterns. And sound is audible breath. And sound vibration is a movement in and of itself. It sings right into the tissues. It gives the inner soft connective tissue in us the um, fleshy, the liquid of us. It gives a vibration. And that vibration helps places where we have, through over-inhibition, through injury, where we have contraction, too much contraction, the sounding vibration can start to create a soft um, stimulation, a soft uh, vibratory movement that helps soften those tissues. And it reminds the tissues of their primal aliveness. Mm -hmm. And tissues like to be alive. They like 
their own aliveness. They like to flow and to be in exchange and to be in a play. So we play with breath and sound, sounding, breathing and sounding, to um, create a different kind of stimulation and play inside to help liberate um, old stuck patterns. And it helps open organic movement. And organic movement in us also wants to play, to explore, to come alive again. And so the openness of sounding, breathing, the exploring there, the the listening into what is the what is the movement impulse in the natural body that's beneath body image. Mm. It tends to get more fixed. Mm. Mm. Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm um, I'm sitting here stretching and playing with my toes and <laughs> I loved thank you for all of that. I, I loved your sharing during the workshop that you know when like oftentimes even when you first waking up you'll kind of allow your feet and your your fingers because partly from the literal sense of wanting to hydrate them but also to kind of tune into that i've even found my i always i try to walk as much in barefoot or with my vibrams with my five fingers so i can and just since the workshop i've just been i've been playing more you know with everything and it's so funny how we'll get caught in these routines. And growing up as an athlete, certainly there was like, you know, I have these things that I'll do about this, you know, the, the strengthening or the stretching. And I teach yoga, but especially as I get older, I'll be 60 next year, that, that this sense of the fluidity, I can feel that start to get lost and and continuum and what I'm kind of exploring. And I I explore it more through music and Continuum is inspiring me to, to do it through movement and breath because I've kind of been kind of discreet in my life. I sit, I do my meditation. I've been practicing Vipassana for 40 years, you know, and then I, I have my music that I do and then I have like my yoga and yet Continuum bringing them together and and going back to the this sense of origin, I, I love when you shared about the million-year-old self. It reminds me, Joanna Macy will say, you know, she says, act your age. Let's act our age, our five billion-year-old self. And I have a sense, Emily would actually say our 14 billion-year-old self because she always, that's another thing I love that I both of you bring is earth and cosmos, you know, because there's not this split between the biological and the physical. There's really the sense of the continuum. You know, I, I didn't think about that till just now, how that, that also connects, not just the interplanetary, but she gave words to feelings I've had about this fractal within a fractal within a fractal, you know, and she talks about, you know, the birthing of the stars and the galaxy. And, but also I'm, I'm so moved by spirals and how these fractals and spirals are happening not just on the earth plane but this cosmic scale and so I, I really relate with all of that deeply and the sense of that the embryo too like how embryonic unfolding never ends that i i love the sense of that that actually that original spiral wave and like the spiral wave has been my um kind of a symbol. I've had 
my whole life and so when I was reading about you know continuum it's like these most basic movements I was like oh I'm home it's like I'm not crazy like this other this other and of course it's the one petroglyph you find out of the five six essential ones the the spiral wave is the only one that you find on all continents which to me says so much right there so and the fluid presence I, I loved all that so that moves me into another question or I should say a another inquiry you used the word I was so delighted that I'd never heard it used before but it certainly also again expressed my experience um, is musicianing and you know uh, my first vision quest 20 years ago now I, I came a line from a poem that I wrote has become such a mantra for me and that is each moment is a note in the song of today each moment is a note in the song of today and I love you were guiding us through a number of breath practices and the sounding and you just said in, in a musicianing which you know I intuitively have a sense of what that is but I'd love for you to speak to that and you know what that means for you and uh, I just delighted it delighted my little inner child because I think I've been doing that since I was can I remember that I can remember I've been singing in my own private language I call it Michaelese <laughs> so I would love to hear anything you have to share about musicianing Thank you. That's so beautiful. That that sensibility of being a boy, mm. musicianing. You're singing. You're inventing. You're improvising. And the resource of that, as you were perhaps also meeting some extremely difficult circumstances, as well as just joyous expression. Yeah. And the reason that I use musicianing. If we're encouraging someone to make a sound, there are many practices where the sounds are so specific about how do you make the sound that you, don't f you feel like you don't dare let your own creative improvisation happen. Mm -hmm. And so part of the purpose of making a sound and continuum is to feed and stimulate and encourage the the biological tissues of us, the, f the connective tissue, the flesh of us, to be a creative expression. And so when we make a sound, part of the intent of the sound is to, we put the emphasis on the feeling side, the sensuous experience of how does the sound feel as sensations, unfolding sensations. How does the sound travel? How does the sound permeate? Like, like warm honey in the sun just permeating down into the earth and what it's like for the earth to have suddenly this golden liquid warmth movement happening inside of it. So part of the intention of the sounding is a kind of food, a nourishment for the, for the tissues. And then so sometimes people can be get hung up on well wait exactly which kind of a sound do I make and exactly how do I do it and there I encourage musicianing that let's say we're making an O sound and maybe I'll have you demonstrate it for a moment <laughs> is that we could if we had uh, 20 different people here 
and we each were truly free, truly had full permission to musician our own O, that all the variation and inside each of us, that if I spent 10 minutes playing with the sound of O, how many different ways might I musician the shaping, subtle shaping in the tongue, in the mouth, in the cave of the mouth and the throat to keep creating different pitches and shapings of an O sound. Would you be willing to I'd just love to. for a moment? Sure, sure. Musician an O for us for a few minutes. you there for one moment because it's so so beautiful all the little variations nuance but I'm going to ask all the listeners with the next O that you make I'm going to ask everyone listening to not just hear the sound not to hear your sound Michael but to hear feel listen sense how does Michael's sound travel through your ears as you're listening where do you feel it in your body see if you can feel the bones that his sound resonates into, the place in the flesh of your of your heart, your chest, maybe you're somewhere in your head. See if you can hear, feel mm. Michael's sound. I okay. That. I love that. Oh. really tuning into how it was also moving in me too which is where it was resonating in my body and and all of a sudden my voice feels deeper and it's like so many things just opened inside mm. is that it's exactly that place where we are actively musicianing and sensuously feeling mm. our own sounding mm. that makes the magic of it really happen for a physical organism Oh, I love that. You know, I having, you know, being a yoga meditation mindfulness teacher, I talk a lot about, um, especially doing yoga nidra, that the sensory body, this senses being a doorway. And I think that's what Kantima does so beautifully. And I'm curious about Eros. Um, and, you know, I, I kept finding that in my my reading of, of Emily, and I certainly feel that. And, and I, to me, Eros, Eros, that is such a, points to something so unspeakable that, that I, I don't even really have words for it, but I, I want to, I'm, I find myself, I'm putting my notes aside and I want to talk about that for a moment because I think particularly us Westerners, we're so divorced from Eros in our lives. We're so overly inhibited, as you mentioned, overly domesticated, that we've lost the ability to trust our erotic unfolding as, and we, you know, that separating it out just from sexuality, or not that it, that's not on a continuum, 
with it, but that there is, I don't know, I, I, I find myself simply wanting to hear your thoughts on how Eros is part of this whole work and, and maybe is so almost synonymous with water in some ways, or at least how water moves and, but it feels like something even larger than that. Yes, Eros is a primal force of connecting mm. Mm. and relatedness. Mm. It's our existential deep attraction for the so-called other. Mm. And that's, that's true, like the Eros of the, the hummingbird and the flower. Mm. They have an Eros the arrows of the green early shoot just sprouting out of the ground in the springtime and the arrows of that green shoot longing for the sun, for its warmth, for its light, for the energy, and then receiving that. And that capacity to reach for and to receive is the medium of arrows. It's the activity of arrows. It is like if I'm walking like somewhere in the desert, like on stone landscape, and I'm walking barefoot, and let's say it's not too hot yet, so the stone is warm but not too hot, and I can walk barefoot, and it's my feet's love of the stone, its texture, its warmth, its shape, its contour. That's an eros moment, Mm -hmm. and the eros of that like love of my feet, which is really the love of my heart for this beautiful earth. But to be actively touching and receiving that into my body, into the whole length of my body, and what it's like for the earth to have an eros-filled human walking on it rather than somebody marching in just functional efficient mode, not not paying any bit of attention whatsoever to the interconnectedness. So in continuum, Eros is the, the deep pleasure capacity of sensuality. Mm. We have our nervous system as one part, but now in the latest research about connective tissue, the fascia, is that there's 250 million sensory receptors This is not nervous system. This is in the liquid fascia, the crystalline liquid fascia, that there's 250 million sensory receptors. This is meant for us to be a relational, moment by moment by moment, relational being with the ever-changing living landscape that we live in. This is how we are interconnected and how we as a physical biological and and discrete organism that I'm relating to the ever-changing landscape so that I know when it's okay it feels just right the warmth of the stone and now okay maybe it's a little hot and I need a little bit of covering and then still that eros connection that's possible and when we get too efficient too functional too long it's when we lose the eros connection of relatedness. And so in continuum, sometimes we've all had like a busy 
day, we've had too much time on the computer, we've been in function too long. We haven't kept our sensuousness alive, which can be kept in a functional way, very much so. If we've lost it, then diving, we call it diving in continuum because you're swimming in the inner waters. You're swimming in the, <clears throat> the inner creative fields that are outside inside until there is no more outside inside. The Eros capacity is to sensuously be with what it is you're directly in contact with, whether it's way inside contact or the contact that I'm having right now as I sit here speaking with you, my, um, my bottom on the chair connecting with the support of the ground and like receiving the tonality of your voice when you speak and allowing the warmth and the deep tones, the resonance of your voice to touch me. That's an Eros-filled moment. And we have in modern world, it related so strongly to erotic, which erotic is beautiful, but it has taken another meaning, narrower meaning. It goes in the direction of too narrow of a range, that the only time I feel pleasure is when I'm stimulated sexually in a particular way. Way too narrow for what Eros really is about. So it can include the whole range of beautiful lovemaking and intense sensation. But Eros can be like the Eros of the, of the, of the, um, like just being first born and the arrows of just touching like the soft blanket or touching the warmth of someone who's holding me and the arrows that's there or the natural arrows that happens also between a student and a teacher where there's such a love for a similar theme or principle and all of a sudden we're in the arrows of delight of our shared realm of interest. Mm. Beautiful, Susan. Thank you. Yeah, I'm thought I, it makes me um, the phrase um, which a lot of people in embodiment work today. You know, the aliveness. You know, the aliveness of a moment. And I also I love this idea of this constant uh, improvisation, and and what is most resonant in this moment might shift in the next. And and I I know we we both influenced by um and, and mark nepo who's a friend she's used some music on some of his programs i love mark says we must learn to fall in love with moment by moment course correction <laughs> and you know this idea again of, of musicianing or ever flowing or this this or you know it is it is a, it is a making love to the moment too or we could say when people see me play my flutes again it's like goodness, it looks like you're making love to that flute. And, and it feels that way. It feels very uh, becoming an, an empty vessel for universe, for earth to Gaia to play me. Like it feels very much like being played. Um, as I know with continuous being moved, being danced. Which also makes me wonder, you know, there were times, and you, you, you and the other continuum teachers did such a beautiful 
job of creating the, the container and the invitations and the inquiry to allow us to go to that place. And there are times when it would completely unfold. And there's other times I get stuck in my head, you know, I start over thinking I, I fall out of the flow. And I guess um, maybe, you know, as we're moving into kind of how we may bring this rich, you will have to do this again if you're open to it. Um, what might be some practical senses of when we might find ourselves um, and these are I'm, I'm just going to mention you know this this way of I know it helped me when when you discussed about the dis all the ways to dissolve into a primordial wisdom I think in our culture we think of and for me it's also when I dissolve getting out of the turbulence of the intellectual mind you know and bring myself into the sensory motor body into the sensual into the into my embodiment just interiorize awareness you know interiorize and and i loved when you you both would talk about the the blood side of the skin i just just got chill bumps you know that this extraordinary uh, capacity that you bring in continuum you know because i've done a lot of embodiment work over the years but this is a whole different level there is such a tender yet fierce loving refocusing i guess is a word i'm thinking to to constantly come back to what is and and this idea of being with what is but also being open to what is possible and 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 also perhaps where this fluid presence that i am is being is is naturally or organically simply wanting to go and it reminds me of when i remember reading um and emily had, i can't remember the the researcher who she was working with but when she finished this extraordinary dance and she wasn't winded or sweating and she how did you do that it's like i just started a wave and followed it or let it let it keep unfolding and and i Anyway, I get that so deeply, but for our listeners, you know, what are, you know, I know this is huge, it's less of a question than an inquiry, so you, you know, however you would love to respond to that. Mm -hmm. I think, first of all, it's the kindness of attention, mm -hmm. that when one finds themselves stuck in obsessive moment of thinking, losing the flow, there's a kindness for that part that has that that has that need somewhere I've popped up to my head because I somehow have something that I think I need to think about and so first part is just kindness that okay acceptance like that's what's happening and then this invitation to make another descent again, so-called descent, only in that when we're kind of stuck, it's not the most brilliant part of our intellect. It's the, it's the kind of repetitive thought process. And underneath that are some feelings. Somehow there are some feelings that need tending. And we have to find the way overall to come accept some of the raw and sometimes painful things that are just needing metabolizing, digesting, 
you know, we, we all, life delivers really strong experiences, and some of them are hard. They're, they're illness, death, loss, sometimes it's beautiful. And so the deepening of incarnating is how do I come into this deeper descent, come to the blood side of skin, mm-hmm. come to the inner intelligence of the organism. And in part here we're coming to dwell in the natural body and to come out of body image or self-image. And this is something that wild animals don't have to struggle with. They don't have an icon, an image of the other. There's a more immediate relating to one's own very direct moment-to-moment organismic experience and the moment of meeting, whatever it is that I'm meeting. And this ability to come in and, and sensuously feel, taste, what else is going on? The feelings that need to be felt and the what else that's also occurring. And there are a lot of embodiment practices. There are a lot out. But many of them are working through body image and not descending deeply enough into the kind of more primal, organic, flowing intelligence. And this is something that's so novel in a way, I think, in Continuum, because the movements aren't directed. They're more suggested. And there's movement motifs that open inside of us. And inside of us, we have a kind of an embodied imagination that we might be able to feel a serpentine movement, a serpentine consciousness, or a winged consciousness, and how to move in that way. Or something that hasn't ever even come into the phenomenal world yet. And we're meeting inside of us restrictions and constrictions and patterns that have been developed since childhood. That we're meeting that with a kindness of an openness of attention to be with that and to allow another kind of flow that's healing and creative simultaneously. That's beautiful. And that, that reminds me, you know, I, you, you know this, and I'm, I'm very open to share with the listeners. You know, I'm, I'm serving as a death doula with my dad right now. And it's been very challenging, you know, and, and uh, in 92 and a half, um, we've had some wonderful times. We've also had our challenges, and this is not a man who uh, has cried or allowed him to feel much in his life. I, I remember up until this last Tuesday, him crying three times. Um, and I've carried some of that, and during our time together, I loved how you had us hold our hearts in, 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 in a way that went so much. Literally, you kept bringing us into, I could, it was almost as if there was a part of me that was inside of my body in a way that was, was very new. And this is something, I mean, I've been doing yoga nidra for 20 years, and I consider myself, that's one of my, and I spend almost probably two hours a day. I usually, before sleep, I do yoga nidra first thing I wake up. And yet there is a way in which there's a middle space between that total formlessness and that is almost, you know, 
it's it's beautiful it's powerful it's going to that void and yet this is this in between where to me water is about so anyway by going from that to then in one of my dives i went to holding my psoas in the same way you guided us to hold our hearts and susan i mean just the the waves of grief that came up was so powerful and 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 grief i had been holding for months with my dad and i think partly because he can't or has had a hard time going there and it was a tremendous powerful and i by i think you were guiding us in such a gentle way to bring the gentleness of attention i could just oh i could feel everything my psoas was holding and i remember you know hearing that the psoas is sometimes in taoist tradition called the the muscle of the soul you know um so i have to share this with you one of the updates since our workshop was um i've been trying to just keep a, a an open space with dad when I go to visit and and he was in a very vulnerable state Tuesday and um, he never cried over his father his mother or his brother passing away his, his father passed away 48 years ago and I just put my hand on his heart and said you know dad um, it's okay to be vulnerable right now and Susan he cried for two hours and he said, I don't know why I can only do this with you, but you know me, I've never known how. I've been a rock. <laughs> I've just been a rock my whole life, and I'm sorry. And he was like, he went through being a little boy, crying for his father. Um, Babo is the, the affectionate um, name for daddy in the Tuscan dialect of Italian. And, and Babo's gone, Babo's gone. And, and he recalled his father singing to him and I recalled him singing to us. He goes, I never put it together that I sang to you boys because my father did and I have forgotten all about it. And he starts singing in Italian and, and two hours of tears and, and then he fell right asleep. And so thank you. I mean, I really feel like the work I did in my body and opening allowed me to be in a much more softer gentler space because i can <laughs> he's triggered me with a lot of my own anger at times you know these in throughout my life and even up a week ago he was calling and um there was literally i mean the other side of that was there was a moment when my i had to get off of our workshop on zoom because he's, he's michael i'm sitting in the middle of the i'm not leaving until you come you've got to get up here right now i said dad i love you and you need to get in bed <laughs> chill out and I'll be there when I get there. So this is the same man, you know, that four days later we had a breakthrough. Um, so I, I wanted to update you on that actually a little bit about, about that, but how we are resonators for each other. And, and I could see how my tension I was holding may have prevented, I was thinking I was holding space gently, and yet by me doing my own grieving, I, I was able to open a space for his. So, so thank you for that. Thank you for that. Yeah, so beautiful. Very, very touching. Mm -hmm. And really, truly, it, it, it does work just like that. Mm. That you contacting your heart and going deeply in the heart without a, 
picture, without an agenda, without a movement map, but just to actually genuinely penetrate consciousness deep into the heart, feel what the heart's holding, what the heart knows, what the heart has to say, and the psoas in a similar way. And to allow that potency of grief that is generations, generations of fathers and grandfathers and great-grandfathers, that you're moving that grief for yourself, the genuine true grief for yourself, but also for them. And it travels through time, and it travels in the field, and I have no doubt that that created an opening. And that then when you're there and you're having your hands on his heart and, and saying from your own vulnerability, it's okay to be vulnerable, Dad. This is, a, this is the moment. And then to bear witness in such a feeling way his tears and to again be in the generational moment that there's a weeping that needs to happen. And Melodoma Somme, at one point, I remember him saying that it's our tears that lubricates the way for the ancestors. Mm-hmm. And your own tears lubricating you and the soulful expression of that and then those helping lubricate his his way because you are going there and in death we meet all those patterns the the difficult ones often and then these tender moments that are so precious and just last piece about that it's like when we come with a depth of listening to a heart to our own heart and come past our images of heart or our like somebody else's version of a pattern of the heart. This is what it's going to look like or feel like when we actually make the descent and truly get our hands on our own heart and get inside of our heart and to be able to rock our own heart and then to feel the weight of the heart and the space of the heart and the earth of the heart and the fluid spiral of the heart and then the emotional heart, all of that. Then we're making a a, a way in where the wisdom of our heart, feelings of the heart that need digesting and metabolizing can actually occur. And that's the, that's the beauty of, of a whole other level of incarnating this heart stream, this soul heart stream in this life. And it's like that. It's tender. It's fierce. It's wild. It's subtle. It's strong. It's, it's wild. Mm. Oh, that's just beautiful. Um, and it reminds me when you talked about the soul heart song, you know, and which is something near and dear to my, my life. And, um, and, and I do this little soul singing uh, workshop with people, which is very, it's just finding these tender places in the voice to land to then, and I would never use the word before, but musician, their own spontaneous soul song that resonates out of their body and um you know i had i had some real trauma with my fifth grade choir i loved singing and my voice was cracking and i i worshipped our choir director and and somebody's voice is is off key i mean each one of us sing and you know, and I sang and I went off key and there's a hundred kids there he points at me and said, Di Maria, don't sing another word all semester. And I didn't, I didn't sing another word till that 
Native American sweat lodge um, 20 years later at 31. And, and I think that we, we end up, again, that's function over feeling, you know, and, and as you were talking about these intergenerational patterns and wounds, I, I think what I love too, that, that there is, this is a return. It's uh, in the way cross uh, countercultural, um, that it is bringing back this, this, I don't want to just say yin because continuum is a beautiful way of being in the Tao, which honoring, honoring the polarities, honoring the yin and the yang. I mean, I, it isn't just that it's yin, but there's a very, I don't know, it gives me hope for the world, Susan. That's all I want to say is that, that I'm just so moved by, by the work and by what's unfolding and everyone I have met in continuum. I'm, I'm so, I'm so moved by, you know, I just, it seems like it's, it's almost those the process of becoming a teacher is, is a bit of a soul initiation, you know, that it, that it, it takes a lot. It's not, you're not going to get it in a weekend. And there is a real kind of path of, of growth that, that just is really beautiful. So I know we're, we could probably talk for hours, but I, I know we're, kind of coming up on time, but I, I really want to let folks know if you're not aware of Continuum, if you're not aware of Emily Conrad, or you're not aware of Susan Harper, who we have on the show today, please check them out. There's just, it's a wonderful um, resource of living wisdom, living embodied wisdom that, that I'm so thrilled to have um, begun to swim in a bit, and it's been so nourishing. So before we finish, Susan, any last words or anything you would like to share with our listeners about how they can find out about you, your work, your workshops? I actually want to say one thing back to what you just were telling about, which is that moment in the choir Mm. and being asked to not sing. Mm. And then taking that, that's what we do. We take that as an image of ourself Mm. and that freezes. And so then you didn't sing for 20 more years. Mm because we're caught in an, in an inaccurate mirroring. Yeah, and how beautiful that moment when you began to sing again. Mm. That then your natural gift and your natural soul song and your natural body could express what was there all along. That's, that's cracking out of a false image, body image, mm. self-image that we adopt, we all do it. It's exactly what happens. And I would encourage every listener to consider what what voices, reflections you got that are not accurate, that keep you bound, and to see. That's beautiful, thank you. And I wanna add to anyone else out there who might have that, and thank you, Susan. I, I think I really needed that. That as you were talking, I really also had the reflection, and I have thought of this before, the gift in that, was I'm I'm such a pleaser. I am such a recovering codependent that I I I know I would have totally devoted myself to more of a classical singing or more of a a trained vocal uh, experience, and probably would have had much of the raw wonder and wildness of my unique voice trained out of me. And I, that's one of the reasons, you know, I, 
I play very non-traditionally. I love when I came across indigenous instruments because I don't, uh, I let go of reading music. I let go of all the rules. I actually break most of the rules, but, and they're layered improvisations. And I'm, my edge is actually beginning to share my voice more again. And because it's even more wild and more raw and more resonant with something larger than me. And, and that's where in some ways I'm, I'm kind of glad I didn't have, because we love, you know, like a Stevie Nicks, right? Or, you know, it's the often it's the most original. And I was saying, nature doesn't make copies. You know, it, it, each of us are such an original. And yet that top down educating process of function, functioning versus feeling. And instead of singing from the inside out, we're going with that image. So although I had, it broke one image and it also created much suffering from a false image in a weird sort of way, maybe it protected me till this more raw original nature because when I, it was in that sweat lodge and I thought I was going to die on that fifth round and the sound started coming out of my mouth and it, it was definitely a rebirth of sorts. So thank you. Um, and I want to honor the, you, you just, you're listening and tracking uh, being with you is, is such a gift because you are so present and I feel so heard and seen and I, I'm just very grateful for you. And that was beautiful. The, what you named, that was very important. Mm-hmm. It's so true that these, these challenges are also gifts mm-hmm. and protections in exactly the way you named. So thank you mm-hmm. for naming that. Yeah. <laughs> So anything you'd like to share about how people can find a little bit more about you, your work, yeah. uh, anything else you'd like to share before we finish up? Yeah. At my website, continuummontage.com. Also, if you go to continuumteachers.com, there's all 80 of us continuum teachers that are listed there. There's many resources for ongoing weekly classes, workshops, um, longer intensives and those who want to s- do some work with me it's continuummontage.com great thank you so much susan uh, just oh, so I honored i mention one oh, more yes, thing please that is elaine calandrea um, at watermarks watermark arts made a documentary of me it's on the first page of my website if you go there that's another good way to see and hear me i highly recommend that that was my uh, and, and I don't know if I mentioned this, but, you know, um, Liz uh, Cook, who was, wrote Stock in the Wild So As, is the one who really introduced me to Emily. And when I asked her, who, you know, who's really carrying on the soul of Emily's work? And she said, without a, missing a beat, oh, Susan Harper. She said, and she talked about many other teachers, but she said her experience with you and was so profound. And the first thing I had a chance to see was that documentary, and I highly recommend it as an amazing introduction to, to you and your work. I'm so glad that uh, you, you two were able to create that. Um, thank you so much. So honored to have you here, Susan. I just wish you all uh, the best and many blessings on your continued journey of sharing your gifts with the world. Thank you so much for, for this conversation. I've enjoyed it thoroughly. You've been listening to Musitations, Sound Healing and Sound Wisdom for a World in Need, where we explore all things musical, meditative, and creative for healing, transformation, and awakening the soul. 
I've been your guide and host, Michael Brandt Di Maria. Feel free to check out my music on Pandora, Amazon Music, Spotify, XM Cirrus Radio, or Soundscapes Cable. You can also check out my website at michaeldemaria.com or online programs at alldaypeace.com, alldaypeace.com. Listen to your heart, follow your soul, and we'll see you on the next episode of Musitations. Musitations.